Today is Thursday, May 4th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Was Tucker Carlson fired for talking about God too much? We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, give a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Let's get through the news of the cray together. That's what we do here each and every weekday, 7 a.m. Joining me now, as always, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones Phillips. What's up, fellas? Happy uh, Friday, Junior, and Star Wars Day, or whatever they call it. I don't know about Star Wars, but I'm <laughs> excited to be here. <laughs> you, don't, you barely know to turn on your television, Billy, which these know. days might be uh, a benefit. Yes. Yes, it is. It is, but uh, I must admit, I am a Star Wars nerd. I like it. I enjoy it. Look. I like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. can only pick a few shows to really get into, and that's one of them. That's one of the ones that I've happened to uh, pick, so... Um, I'll pray for you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. All right, what uh, what do we have coming up on the focus today? We're going to talk about uh, a new movie on Pureflix, but actually, the the conversation is going to center on the lead actor uh, and what she has to say about God's faithfulness in trials. All right, looking forward to that. On the main thing as well, I talked to Steve Krakauer. He's Megan Kelly's executive producer, and he was talking about Tucker Carlson and the media shakeups that were going on. Was Tucker fired? For Faith Talk, that's just one of the things we talked about in our conversation that's coming up on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. New York is the first state in the country to ban natural gas and other fossil fuels in most buildings. Climate advocates are calling it a win. And the activists have pressured Governor Kathy Hochul and Democratic lawmakers who now approved the new $229 billion state budget containing the provision that happened earlier this week. Vermont's become the second U.S. state to change its medically-assisted suicide law to allow terminally ill non-residents to end their lives. Republican Governor Phil Scott signed the bill that removes the residency requirement. Vermont's one of 10 states that allow medically-assisted suicide. Critics of this law and others like it are saying that without residency requirements, states risk becoming um, a destination for death tourism. The idea that you travel there just as a place to be killed. Thousands of people endured the cold and rain in Maryland earlier this week to worship God and hear the gospel message during Evangelist Franklin Graham's God Loves You Tour. More than 9,000 people attended the event at Fair Hill Fairgrounds in Elkton despite storm clouds and rain to hear the faith-filled message. You can read about that story and more over at cbnnews.com. Guys, a couple concerning stories here in, that we just covered in the headlines. First, the less serious one, which is the climate activist getting... New York, Billy, you're there in New York. Um, don't if you buy a new house or have to get new appliances or whatever the case might be in a couple of years, you won't be able to get natural gas. It's like it's like somebody 
basically commissions a group of people to tell them what are all the things we can do to make people further want to flee. And then they enact them. And like, that is the, and this is a state that is struggling to hold people. I mean, they've, we've lost allegedly 10,000 people again, since January in New York, leaving the state. So I, I don't know who tells everybody that people want this stuff, but. And, and who, and I'm, and before I'm sorry, try to cut you off here, but didn't we, weren't we just told that this wasn't going to happen? Didn't they just tell us that? No, no, no. We're not threatening to ban natural gas. That's just crazy talk, right-wing conspiracy theory. And then New York does it. <laughs> well, I think, that yeah, that was the federal government. And right, I think right. probably what happened is New York was like, you know, that is such a good idea. <laughs> and New Yorkers are already, I mean, they deal with this cold weather all the time and they're jammed in there like sardines. They're already miserable. Why not just, what is a little bit more misery? I, I right. think probably uh, the leaders of, of New York and the leaders of California are in cahoots with one another. Let's see how miserable we can make them and see how long it takes them to leave. It's like a social experiment. It is. It's very bizarre. And on a more serious note in Vermont here, this death tourism, this removing, first of all, I mean, just any of these, I, I'm surprised if you would have told us, I mean, however many years ago that 10 states in America would allow medically assisted suicide, you'd say we were crazy. I mean, I remember covering some of these stories from overseas and people are like, oh, why are you talking about overseas? That's never going to happen over here. Well, we've got 10 states and counting now. And apparently you can just, if you want to go off your life, you can just drive up to Vermont. And it's perfectly okay. I mean, this is a very troubling trend. It is. And, you know, I, I look at this and I think, you know, we're in such a culture of not wanting to suffer. And I, I think this is a complicated issue because it involves suffering and people are looking for a way out of suffering. And so you can sympathize with, and nobody wants to go through these things, but to have these issues becoming mainstream, normal things that people are doing, I just, that's the part that's so heartbreaking to me. We lack, and, and they're claiming that we're a culture of life here, right? Like this is a culture of life. We're preserving people by not making them suffer. It's just so twisted and, and sad, all of it. Well, and I think a lot of this is the the natural extension or continuation of the trans argument that we've had for so long, right? When it's, well, it's people's decision to live their life how they want to live. And if it's morally okay for them, then who am I to say it's morally wrong? Because we live in a relativistic world now. So someone's, he's a man, but he says that he's a woman, so he must be a woman. You know, like they say that they're, you know, terminally sick or, or so depressed that it would be better for them to end their life. Who are we to tell them otherwise? I think we're getting into some really dangerous area when there's no longer any sort of moral standard, but now everybody is the arbiter of their own morality. Uh, because then how do you have these conversations, right? Because then you can just say, well, you're a Christian and that's your moral choice, but my moral choice, my truth is different from yours. So you can't can't step on my truth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's um it's really a troubling thing and I don't know how you turn around the tide to get people to because you're right Billy there are difficult circumstances but I think what's even more troubling is that a lot of times these cases of assisted suicide are not really that dire or it might be far off. And who knows what could happen in that time? You God could miraculously heal you or you won't be depressed anymore. Uh, you know, it just it just seems like we should not be doing this. And as Christians, of course, we know why. You know, we're made in God's image. And who are we to do what God is supposed to do and his role in life and death? 
And yeah. we try to take that out. And I think they use the most, ex- same thing with abortion. They use the most extreme examples to pull at your heartstrings to get you to accept the idea. Well, it's, and, and I think that what we have to remember is, you know, look over to Europe. This is what I always say, like, what yeah. is Europe doing now? And, you know, not that that should always be our guiding light, but what's happening in Europe is you're actually seeing that this has been a slippery slope. It went from mm-hmm. terminally ill, which I think, regardless of where people stand, they could at least sympathize with down to, oh, mentally ill. Or yeah. now we're hearing we're hearing of stories in Canada. Well, this person can't pay their rent and they're disabled. And so they, they want to take advantage of the law. Now, like, yeah. So that is not what this was ever intended to be. And yet that's where we are in other places around the world. And that makes me think, okay, well, that's coming here too, right? Yeah. It's not going to just be terminally ill yeah it's what you open the door to unfortunately and it's uh, something we all need to be praying about that this country repents of that and turns more towards as trey was saying culture of life so all right well we are going to head into our focus story now and pure flicks has a new movie and uh trey you talked with the lead actor in the film tell me what this is all about yeah, so the movie is called uh, Sun Moon. It actually tells the story of a woman named Kelsey uh, who's played by uh, Mackenzie Mosey. Uh, she takes on this missionary job in Taiwan kind of unexpectedly after her life is completely upended when her then fiance walks away and leaves her at the altar uh, standing by herself. So the movie is premiering on May 5th. Uh, and we talked to Mosey, who some of you might recognize from Into the Woods. It was a Disney movie from 2014. She actually played Rapunzel in the movie. That was her first big mainstream uh, movie. She's done other things since. She's been on NCIS and CSI and and, and several other shows. Um, but Sun Moon is her latest uh, project. And I think it's fascinating uh, just the because this is something that actually kind of ties into what we were just talking about, about the problem of, of pain and suffering and having an issue in our culture of kind of embracing and going through difficult life circumstances. And this movie is all about that. And this movie highlights, uh, look, there are going to be things that are pretty awful that you go through in your life. Kelsey, the character also is dealing with a terminally sick mother in the film. So it deals with a lot of that stuff. Okay. How is God still actively working in the midst of this? Even when my circumstance seems pretty crummy. Mm, Yeah. So what, what was it that Mackenzie personally drew from to play the role and what lessons has it taught her? Yeah, so she talked about a significant heartbreak. She kind of laughed uh, because she said so many people, she's in her early 30s, she said so many people go through that uh, before they ultimately find their husband or their wife. And she said, you know, dealing with that uh, has been something that helped her uh, kind of play this role, but also uh, having had to deal with something more serious, which is the the loss of loved ones, uh, who she said family members who died actually surprisingly and, and much younger uh, than, than, you know, normally people would be would be passing away. So having those life experiences, which are, are things that so many people who will see the movie or, or who will, will see this interview uh, can relate to. And she said that it's in those moments that looking back, she said, when you hear that God is in control and that God's working, uh, she described that as like a cliche almost or like a trite thing when you're going through a difficult time. Uh, but she said, now that I'm able to look back at those trials and those different circumstances, that I've been through, I can say, you know what, that is true, and that God was working. And and she said, I think having been through those experiences, talking about uh, different trials, 
She said that that has helped her, uh, not just in this film, but in, in other films, being able to relate to and portray uh, difficult circumstances. And she said she hopes that the movie is encouraging to people who are going through a hard time or have gone through a hard time and said that she hopes it will serve as, quote, a reminder of how God can work through those uh, in ways that open you to things that you might have not been otherwise uh, if you hadn't been challenged. And she said that uh, through life's difficulty, she's learned to, quote, let go uh, and just Time and time again, that's when God has done something beyond my imagination. Yeah, I mean, I think so often that this is part of our fallen nature. We tend to put ourselves at the center of the story. And that is, you know, easy for us to do, but really not how we should be looking at things. We should be looking at the big, bigger picture of God weaving together his story and how that all ends up coming together. And um, so many times when something bad happens to us, we can't understand it. It's like, it's like the uh, 10 lepers who get healed and only one of them comes back to say thanks. In a way, so many times we get through the situation, right? We, we get healed or we, we, get, we find a job or whatever the deliverance we sort of get from a difficult situation, but then we forget to go back and see how God was working in all of those situations. It's very easy to then just get focused on you know, the next worry that we have in front of us. So I think it's, it's a good reminder because it's really easy for us to fall into that trap. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's something to really be said about learning. Like we're talking about suffering on this show today, right. In so many different ways. And, and we learn through our suffering. I remember when Brittany Maynard was, you know, if you remember her, yeah. she was doing her doctor assisted suicide push. She had a brain tumor. And I remember um, there was another woman and I'm forgetting her name right now, but she had she was a Christian who had cancer and she was encouraging her not to go the doctor assisted suicide route and talking about how much she was learning through her own cancer journey. And mm-hmm. um, she ended up passing away, this this Christian woman. But I remember thinking, wow, that's that's so true. Like we learn the most through those hard moments. And yet we we retract from them in the moment because it's painful. But looking back on my life, that's when I've learned the most. That's when I've grown the most in my mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, that was one of the things that Mosey said, is she said, having navigated the lowest points in my life, as she said, it's those that redefined my relationship with the Lord, right? Because it expanded her capacity of understanding God's faithfulness, because it's easier to be faithful to God and to trust God when everything is going really swimmingly and things are great. Uh, but when things are difficult is when it's when it's more challenging to trust God's faithfulness. And uh, that whole conversation just reminded me of uh, just past passage in James 1, uh, verse 2 and 3, uh, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I think that's what Mosey is talking about, right? Is it produced a perseverance, a richer and stronger faith? Uh, and also, I think the word uh, when you face trials is pivotal, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not if, uh, it's that we're all going to go through difficult things. It's what are you going to do with it when you do go through tr- you know, tough stuff? Absolutely. Great reminder there for us and a great story as well. Thanks for sharing that, Trey. We're going to move over to the main thing now and talk about Tucker Carlson, these media shakeups that have been going on at CNN and Fox and Vice and BuzzFeed News. But Tucker Carlson's kinds of kind of stands above the rest. And now some are asking, was he fired because they haven't given a reason yet for talking about his faith too much? And Fox still has not provided an answer on that, leaving viewers wondering. Well, executive producer of The Megyn Kelly Show and author of the book Uncovered, Steve Krakauer, joined me to discuss 
This and more on today's main thing. So, Steve, some big shakeups in the media landscape. You obviously are covering this. And what what has surprised you most in the last couple of weeks from the shakeups we've seen? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's just been so many between BuzzFeed just completely shutting down, BuzzFeed News, Vice, you know, going for you know, bankrupt, essentially, at this point. Don Lemon, but I mean, nothing compares to Tucker Carlson. At the absolute height of his power, height of his ratings, to be just unceremoniously fired one Monday morning without explanation at the time, and to this day without explanation, not just to his audience, but to himself. Uh, It's totally bizarre, and it's a fascinating story, perhaps the most interesting media story in several years. Yeah, and I'm looking at it, and a lot of people speculated early on, well, this has to do with the Dominion lawsuit. And as I'm looking through that lawsuit, there's only one clip really that featured Tucker in that whole lawsuit out of the 20 or 30 or so that they pulled. And it was an interview with Mike Lindell in which they were talking about cancel culture. And Lindell sort of loosely references the election. And Tucker doesn't even really affirm that or anything. So the the Dominion stuff doesn't seem to add up as a plausible reason to me. No, I, I think that what's interesting about the Dominion lawsuit as it relates to Tucker is that from a legal standpoint, there was absolutely nothing to do with Tucker there. You're right. That was the only one with the Mike Lindell one. And it also, from a perception standpoint, what we've seen in Tucker's text about, oh, you know, he really didn't buy into the whole crack in Sidney Powell thing. Well, yeah, that, he didn't do that on the air either. In fact, he was the anchor who perhaps more than anyone went after Sidney Powell on the air about 11 days after the election saying, we have invited her on our show. She will not come on. She will not provide evidence. So he actually went the other direction with it. So the only element that relates to Dominion that I, I find potentially compelling that relates to his firing is, are they embarrassed? Is, is there something that in the way he was critical of his bosses, in the way he was you know, very yeah. uncensored, uh, is, is someone, is it a petty grievance, essentially, that was from these, these texts, which are essentially unexplained. You know, there, there's no real logical argument for that to lead to a firing other than the, the highest enough person at the company, and I mean at the Murdoch level, was offended. Right. And so, well, he, he's got to go, and then we've got to manufacture some reason afterwards. Yeah, exactly, because, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of hosts over the years at Fox weather some pretty big storms and it just seems to fly in the face of logic to fire the guy over like you said petty grievances when he's in the midst of you know doing very well in the ratings very strong there and you're sort of seeing the backlash there and uh from from a lot of people in the audience online and i wanted to get your take what do you think i mean look we you know both of us at one point or another worked for the blaze for beck and you know, Beck was the biggest host at the time when he left. And, you know, Fox did just fine. They got the five in there. The five's doing well. Um, they always seem to find somebody. They're a big machine. Is it different this time with Tucker or is it going to be the same old Fox relying on their size and strength to just sort of win the day? So my initial thought, as powerful and important a voice as Tucker Carlson is, I thought, well, the, the GOP primary process will heat up. There's going to be debates beginning in August. This will more or less level out. But that was under the assumption that we would get some explanation yeah. or at least some amicable talking points coming out of both the Tucker camp and the Fox camp. That's gone the opposite direction. We are seeing leaks now, not just the Wall Street Journal under News Corp, 
but to the New York Times, to media matters. I mean, and where else could these leaks be coming from except from Fox? So now we're seeing these real warring camps being emerging here. And that, I think, could potentially have lasting damage here for Fox. I think some of the audience will certainly come back as the, as the heat of the election really gets going out in the late summer. But some of this might be really more lasting, especially if we get to see Tucker begin to speak. Right now, he's still under contract with Fox. He cannot speak. But that's being worked out by the lawyers. If he can start talking in the next couple of weeks, are we going to see that audience come back or will they really align with Tucker and whatever he does next, even if it's independent? Yeah. And I'm interested too on your thoughts of, you, you know, you mentioned the petty grievances. If it's somebody that just in those embarrassing texts saying that the news department's embarrassing, all those things that he and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram were talking about, which if it was just that, by the way, wouldn't Ingram and Hannity also be getting the boot here at this point, not, not just one of them. Um, but what other possible reasons could there be other than something that's going to very much irritate the Fox audience, i.e. something of the Media Matters line of, well, these misogynistic comments behind the scenes, which were not not very uh, they weren't if that was all they have, then I mean, it wasn't it wasn't much w with those leaked no. videos. Um, but but is it is it likely something like that that would Probably the reason they're not explaining it is because it would be, you know, their audience would be enraged by it. No, I see. I think those these media matter videos feel like the cover story rather than the story. Yeah. I the the idea, you know, even so funny to to see in New York Times print. Well, he called a, a woman yummy, but then we actually watch the video in Media Matters, and he he jokingly refers to someone as yummy, and then says, "I'm just kidding. I don't even know what she looks like, and I would never think she's yummy." I mean, it's just making literally right. making a joke. So <laughs> it's completely outrageous that it would be. Look. I have no idea what happened, but here's what's interesting to me. There were stories, even before Tucker was fired, about having uh, a, I believe it was a lunch or a breakfast with Rupert Murdoch and his then fiance, in which the fiance was a huge Tucker disciple, and they were reading the Bible together, and Rupert is not a very religious person. Right. And then a couple of weeks later, we find out that Rupert Murdoch and his fiance call off the engagement and break up. Now, I have no idea <laughs> if this sort of thing relates to it, but if I had to put my money on something like that, having more to do with why he's leaving than something that's actually some racist text or some misogynistic text, yeah. I would put it there and all of this other stuff is just cover. It's interesting you brought that up because I also remember during my days at Fox that they would give Glenn grief whenever he would talk about God. And yeah. it's kind of funny because when you, you know, as a Christian, when you think about you know, religious people, when you think about the things that it says in the Bible about, you know, being bold in your faith, and then someone tells you, hey, stop talking about God. I mean, like, you're just not going <laughs> to, you're not going to do it, right? And, you know, Tucker apparently was getting that same sort of heat for also doing the same thing. He frequently, you know, talked about faith, talked about God uh, on on the air, which apparently it frustrates some people at Fox. And, you know, if, if again, we don't know if this is related, but on Friday night, uh, the Friday before he got fired, he was giving a speech at the Heritage Foundation, mm. which was very much about biblical themes yeah. of good and evil and about what they were facing now. The reporting is that it was decided on Friday night that he would be fired on Monday morning. So who knows if that's related, but that certainly is a side story here that I think is at least worth paying attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're out of time for this one, Steve, but I'd love to have you back to talk about, you mentioned BuzzFeed and Vice at the beginning here. And I'm very interested in that. I mean, Vice was the darling 
of all of the of upstart media for some time, you know, billions of dollars raised and, and things of that nature with their valuation, and now potentially filing for bankruptcy and going kaput and BuzzFeed News, as you mentioned. I'd, I'd love to dive into all that as well. But where where do you want to send people, Steve? Um, what, what can they go? Where can they look out for you? Oh, thanks, Dan. Yeah, I interviewed Tucker Carlson last year for my book, Uncovered. You can find it at readuncovered.com. He's one of the two dozen people in the media that I talked to on the record for that about the state of the media industry and, uh, and where it's headed. All right, great. Steve, thanks for being here. Thanks, Dan. All right, always good to catch up with Steve Krakauer, who he covers this media stuff more than anybody. Um, he's He is the executive producer of The Megyn Kelly Show, as I said, but he also has a fourth watch newsletter. And so he has his finger on the pulse of what is going on there. So very, very interesting to hear from him on this topic. So appreciate him stopping by. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. Yeah. Second Timothy one seven for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. There's a lot going on there, you know, power <laughs> when you're, when you're weak, love, when you're struggling, uh, maybe to love others and self-discipline when you're having a hard time, just keeping yourself in check that we can get all that through the Lord. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and when we're convicted about the truth, standing firm on that and not being afraid, right. Not, not backing down uh, when, when we're faced by a culture that's so hostile often to our faith, standing firm on the truth is, is so important. Yes, Absolutely. And also important to make sure you get over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. <laughs> Don't forget to do that. Um, get your news from a Christian perspective. I mean, you're seeing all of these stories and so many news outlets that just have don't even want to talk about God. They'd rather you not hear anything about God. Obviously, that's the exact opposite here at CBN. So appreciate you being here on this Friday, Junior. Lord willing, that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.